Hey, what's up, guys? Here's another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today we have a special guest. Um, <laughs> she she is one of a kind, and I'm gonna let her introduce herself. Um, I don't want to spoil the surprise, so just go ahead. Um, okay, uh, my name is Rachel Balkovec, and uh, I'm a Nebraska native. And uh, tell a giant long story unless you want to ask me some specific questions, but I've lived in about 10 to 13 different places in the past 10 years and done a lot of things in strength and conditioning um, at LSU, at Arizona State, St. Louis Cardinals, Houston Astros, uh, a couple other places in there. Um, currently, my role is with the Houston Astros. I'm the AA strength and conditioning coach. And so uh, for those baseball people, people who are not baseball people, I should say, uh, basically, you have like the TV team, which is the Houston Astros, and then there's like eight minor league teams, and mm-hmm. I am on the second oldest or second highest team um, closest to the the big league. So I'm working with some of our older guys uh, who've who've already been kind of through the the ringer a little bit and had three or four years in the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, past two years with the organization, I've actually been working with our very youngest players. So it's been kind of an adjustment this year, going from working with our 16-year-old Latin American players in the Dominican Republic to some of our 23, 24, 25-year-olds who kind of have a better grasp of, of what they're doing. So that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. And I'm, uh, yeah, just, I, I feel like I, I just skipped over about a 30-minute story. So <laughs> if you want to jump into that, I'm more than happy to do it. Yeah, no, no worries. I'll, I'll pry in a little bit so you can tell us a little bit more. But um, first of all, let me just give a backstory. So this podcast was supposed to happen about a month ago, uh, but how life happens, it just didn't work out. Uh, thankfully, we were both able to get back on it. And then here we are. So thank you again, Rachel, for uh, hopping on the show for, with me. Yeah, I'm glad we could we could get it done. Technical difficulties. Yeah, do? it's all right. It's all right. Um, so Nebraskan native and then how'd you how'd you get into strength how did you get into strength conditioning what made you get into it because you don't necessarily see a lot of female strength conditioning coaches and much less in the baseball realm um i mean i I played collegiate baseball and really you don't see even up to now you don't necessarily see many strength conditioning coaches um i mean with the dogma that it is strength conditioning when it comes to females females don't really um gravitate towards it and then Mm -hmm. you yourself being uh, a motivator, an educator, and a strength conditioning coach within itself. So, uh, just tell us a little bit more of how you got there. Yeah, so there is um, exciting news. there. So I was the only one uh, for, I think, five years. And okay. then now there's a, the Angels just hired another female strength and conditioning coach. So now there's two in professional baseball. And mm-hmm. we also hired an intern this year, the Astros, a female awesome. intern, mm-hmm. Um, who has a great pedigree, and so now there's three of us, I think, and there might be one more right. floating around. So there's a couple in professional baseball, and I think in, in the collegiate ranks, there's also several handful that are working with baseball. So um, that's been cool to see. But how did I get it? I mean, the the short answer is I was a college athlete, and you know, I didn't really know any different. Like I, I, it did not dawn on me that it was even like a big deal mm-hmm. that I wanted to be a strength coach because. I was a college athlete and I, I played softball and I lifted heavy weights and I really gravitated towards the weight room. And I, I was, I think it's a mix of like, I, you know, kind of grew up blue collar, extremely gritty, like family and just hard work and nose to the grindstone kind of attitude. And also, um, 
I just, I sucked in college. Like I had the yips, I had game anxiety. And so um, I had game anxiety and I just, it was, that was a way for me to be successful and to have self-worth and to contribute to the team. And so I got more and more interested in it. I wanted to make a, a career out of it. I ended up going to LSU for, I mean, long story short, I went to LSU for a graduate assistantship and my boss there was Melissa Moore, mm-hmm. a woman. And so like, even then I was kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm a girl. There's not a lot of girls here, but who cares? Right. Not a big deal. And like my boss, Melissa Moore had been in the game for, I think 10 years at that point. She's probably been a strength coach for 15 plus now. Um, and she's at the SEC level for the past 10 plus years. And so I didn't even think about it. And then I think I just, when I was getting interested in professional baseball and kind of looking around, um, looking at jobs, it was like every single name I came across when I was looking for jobs were men, mm-hmm. every single name. And I was like, what the, what in the hell? And I remember like Google searching, you know, female strength and conditioning coach in baseball and there were none. Right. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I was like, Oh, this might be hard. Like, okay. It's just like, never even occurred to me really until I was late in my master's degree. And then even then I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm at LSU doing a graduate assistantship. I was a college athlete. I had done an internship at athletes performance. Now exos, mm-hmm. I kind of had a good pedigree and a good young resume. And I was like, Hey, I'll get a job. No big deal. Yeah. Right. That, that was tough. So, um, I mean, yeah, that's short answer is I just, I was a college athlete. I really gravitated towards the weight room. Um, and you know, obviously I had some struggles being a woman, but I think that's, I think we're, we're at the dawn of an age where you're going to see that change. Right. Right. And I I would, I would a hundred percent agree with that. Um, what were some of the barriers that you had to, I mean, obviously not only were you the probably only female that they probably, I I guess that's an assumption, the only interview or the only female that they interviewed, but, um, what were the barrier? One of the barriers, or I guess a few of the barriers that you came across, whether it was was uh, interviews or references that you try to get, or just going, or just trying to get into the door with some of these uh, teams. Um, lots. I mean, I again, I was kind of naive. I think if you like listen to prior podcasts of mine, I think especially dating back to my first ever podcast, which were like five years ago, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, Oh, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't even that hard. It's not that hard. And now I'm, I look back, it's kind of like, you can't, you can't read the label from inside the jar. Right. And so I look back and I'm like, that was freaking hard. And, and even now I'm still in it. And so I'm like, I kind of, you just do it every day. I just do my job and, and I don't even really realize the things that I'm, the extra measures that I'm taking to like work around because I'm a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but then five years from now, I'll look back and be like, oh my God, that sucked. You know, like that was really hard or this shouldn't have been said to me or this shouldn't have been done or I, I don't know what happened there. Right. Um, so anyway, getting in, you know, there's just like a list of stories now that I look back, but relatively speaking, my first internship, like my first break was pretty smooth. So the Cardinals hired me as an intern, which was like a three month internship at one of the rookie league levels, you know, paid internship. I was with my own team, but very short, you know, kind of training wheels type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was relatively simple. The The Cardinals minor league coordinator called LSU looking for a strength coach. And, you know, my bosses at LSU recommended me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how that happened. So that was a huge break for me and got my foot in the door. Well, then I left for a year thinking that I was going to start a PhD. Um, and that's kind of when I figured out that it wasn't going to be that easy. So I, I like left and I, I went, moved to Phoenix to start a PhD at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. And I 
for again like the non-baseball people in the world um basically there's in spring training all of the training camps are either held in phoenix or in south florida Mm -hmm. and so there's actually 15 teams that are based in phoenix and so i moved to phoenix to start my phd at arizona state i was kind of taking prerequisites at the time and i thought hey i'll get another internship just like i did last summer with a team in phoenix because there's 15 teams there were like eight or nine jobs posted Mm -hmm. so i applied for all of them and i got like nothing back and i was like holy crap like that's crazy i have this great again for a for a 24-year-old, you know, strength coach, I had this awesome resume right. already. And uh, I so I'm like, okay. And then finally I get a call from an organization, did two interviews. That basically, they were like, yep, you've got the job. Just got to get, like, some things settled. Da, 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 and then came back and actually the guy told me, who, by the way, I'm still friends with to this day. He just felt so terrible. He was like, hey, I want to hire you. But my front office is not going to let me hire a woman. Oh, and by the way, in the meantime, I can't hire you. And I've been sending your resume to other places. And the response has overwhelmingly been like, yeah, we got her resume, but we can't hire her because she's a girl. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, wow. okay. So that was that, that was that. So I kind of I had to sit a year out of baseball, more or less because of like blatant discrimination. That was like a tough pill to swallow. And then the next season comes around and like I, I actually just preemptively changed my name on my resume, which I've told, I've told that story a couple of times if, if anyone's heard anything else that I've done, but what I changed. Yeah. So I changed my name on my resume to Ray. So I, so it was a gender neutral name. Right. And, uh, and I changed like other things like my email. I made sure that in my email, it wouldn't pop up as Rachel. It popped up as R Balkovec. And right. Like I, it didn't say NCAA soft, you know, Division One softball catcher. It said NCAA Division One catcher. Right. So like I just made my resume gender neutral, mm-hmm. and you would not believe. Like the next season comes around, all these jobs start popping up. You wouldn't believe the overwhelming like response of that I got. And mm-hmm. so I got a couple emails back, and I it was like setting up interviews, and then I got a phone call, and I got the guy called and. I was out and about, answered the phone, and I said, and I didn't recognize the numbers, just I wasn't thinking, answered the phone, and he said, Rachel. hey, this is so, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you there? Yeah, 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 go ahead. Okay, and so he said, oh, this is so-and-so from this organization, um, I'm looking for Ray, and I said, oh my, in my head, I'm like, oh shit, it's like, oh, it worked, right. <laughs> this guy's calling me, I said, I go, oh, this is she, and you can hear like a distinct ruffling of papers and the guy was like oh uh, sorry i just make sure that i had the right name here and i was like yeah this is ray (laughs) so but i was like oh i'm out and about can we just continue this conversation later is a better time and he's like yeah yeah i'll call you tomorrow never called called him never answered emailed him never responded and then i just felt really terrible and i kind of just came to the conclusion in that moment that you know, if somebody doesn't want to hire me because I'm a woman, then I don't want to work for them anyway. And right. so the emails that I was like corresponding with, I just finally ended up responding with Rachel. And that actually like cut off a couple more communications as well. Mm-hmm. So once they found out I was a girl, I lost even more like opportunities. So, so good time. So anyway, that's like, I was kind of running out of options. And at that point I had been a perennial intern for like five years basically. And finally, um, the Cardinals called me back and and asked me if I was inter- 
interested in interviewing for the minor league coordinator job. So I actually went from being an intern for them two years prior, and then they had a coordinator spot open up, and I was uh, I went through the interview process and was offered that job and was there for two years overseeing 250 athletes and eight coaches and such and so. Right. They, you know, ultimately the Cardinals were really pioneers in the way that they offered me the opportunity to become, you know, full time and also in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like, again, that's like the, that's the cliff notes, but wow. There's some of the. So, I mean, do you still get like some pushback now and being, I mean, how long have you been in the league now as a strength coach? Um, I've been in baseball for six years. This is so my sixth season. Do Do you still get some pushback from like admin or just like coordinators in general? Not really. Okay. You know, but the thing is, is again, I don't. You don't, I don't you, know. You don't pay don't attention know. to that. I don't pay attention to it. I don't. I don't really know if anyone says that it's behind my back. Right. I I feel very with the Astros. I feel very very supported, and I also feel like no one even. You know, this is my third season with them. I think it's like, it's really when I first get to a place, you mm-hmm. know, and they're kind of like, okay, like, let's see how this chick is. Like, let's see, you know, what the deal is. Right. And once I open my mouth and start talking, you're just like, oh, okay, she means business. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, right. so I think it's a very, very short learning curve for the players and the staff. And the the players, it's more like, mm, let me see if I can kind of push her around. Right. The staff, it's actually just more, because it's like, staff are older and a lot of them married with kids a lot of them been around for a long time and for them it's just more like oh honey i don't want to offend you by cussing and i'm like Ugh, if you have any idea like okay you just need to spend five minutes around me and you'll figure out like you, you're not going to offend me so right um yeah so with the astros i feel like it's not a big deal and it, it's really just again if you don't know me and if you haven't spent enough time with me so, so it's just that adjustment period when I first get to an organization more than anything else. Okay. Well, what are one of your favorite things about being a strength coach uh, in general? And then uh, your, one of your favorite things being a strength coach in baseball? I mean, strength and conditioning to me is a very unique um, field within the sports domain in a sense that it's all even. And so you can like – in, this is the answer kind of to both, but in baseball, you've got pitchers, you've got position players, you've got the outfielder, you've got the catcher, you've got who are all being measured on very different things on the field. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of is like it's, it, levels, it levels the playing field. So and furthermore, like strength and conditioning is a – it's not it, – there is some skill obviously involved, but to a certain point. And then after that, it's not about skill. It's about simply putting in the work. Mm-hmm. And and being able to have a, a high level of discipline, whereas a person could be extremely skilled at baseball and not really put in that much work, and still they're still going to throw 100 miles an hour, right. or you know they they still have excellent eye tracking or eye movement, so they're able to hit the ball without necessarily like they they were either born with a certain genetic predisposition, predisposition or they simply have like excellent hand-eye coordination or they like whatever it is they could be extremely skilled baseball players and really not try that hard mm-hmm. whereas in the weight room i feel like you know 135 pounds is 135 pounds 225 pounds is 225 pounds that's not changing and it's really not about it's less i should say it's less about skill so that's why i like strength and conditioning and then you know in baseball too well that it's the same thing as 
you know, specifically in baseball, but also speaking even more just to the sport of baseball, you know, I love strength and conditioning because I think that we are just, we're just skimming the surface in baseball of really using strength and conditioning to our advantage. And what I mean by that is no one's doing it. Right. <laughs> and if they are, I mean, they're doing it, but if they are, it's like, oh, let me, I'm going to trap bar for sets of five and I'm going to, it's like, come on, man, like, let's put some weight on the fucking bar and, and do it right and push your body. And like, if we only, and I, I know this is like a stigma and I, I don't mean necessarily, I don't mean necessarily the movements that football does, right? Mm-hmm. But foot, strength and conditioning in the sport of football has been accepted for a very long time. Right. And they use it to the max. It's a huge part of what they do. A football strength and conditioning coach is paid up there with the sport coaches themselves, especially at the higher levels and in power in the Power Five conference. You know, like it's it's very very important, and there's a there's a high level importance associated with it, which means you get more time with it. There's more there's more emphasis. It's like people are their eyes are on it. Whereas in baseball, it's kind of like eh, it hasn't been accepted for as long as it has been in the sport of football. So not that I'm saying we should do all the movements that football players do, but with the intent and with the importance that they do it. And so I, why I like it in baseball is because it's like, dang, if I just had a couple of years with these guys to like physically develop them and they have the skill to play baseball, they're going to just absolutely be head and shoulders above Every so else. many yeah, so that's why I think it's so important and why I like it in baseball. And that's what really why I got into professional baseball in the first place was to make a positive change in the field of strength and conditioning as it relates to the sport. That's awesome. Perfect. So, yeah, like I was, I was, uh, I was saying, I mean, if, if you notice how baseball has evolved, like you see all these players, all these powerful like five-tool players, it's not a, a coincidence that – Baseball, all of a sudden, people are throwing harder. Uh, people are able to produce that much more. And it's actually the restrictions have gotten much more uh, as far as, like, mm-hmm. with bats and everything else. So mm-hmm. um, strength and conditioning, at least in my part, I think has been a big role in this. And it's like you mentioned. It's like we're barely, like, skimming the surface where people are starting to involve a lot more strength and conditioning when it comes to MLB or baseball in general. Yeah, we're not even – well, I mean, I shouldn't say we as in the whole world. It's like it's coming. Um, I think largely because of, again, I think it just all goes back to like football strength and conditioning, then it leaks into collegiate baseball strength and conditioning, and then these college guys come to the professional ranks and they're like, hey, I've been lifting heavy for the past four years. I'm not going to come to the professional ranks and just start doing mini bands and, you know, med balls and calling it a day. So I think like they're, that's driving a lot of it. And then also just getting, you know, the field of strength and conditioning in baseball is very young. And so that means that the coaches aren't paid as well. And it's not a very, you know, tantalizing job for strength coaches. Mm-hmm. So the the better quality strength coach you get in there with more experience and just more understanding, you know, what of what to do is going to kind of lead it that way as well. Absolutely. Um what, what are some of the things you're working on now? I know you, were, you had, uh, last time I saw you were doing... I don't know if it was a business or a professional development. Um, uh, I forgot what it was. But I know you were doing um, – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you're talking about the Virtual Handshake Academy. Yes, so yes, that um, one. Yeah, so I've kind of I've, – I've sadly put that on the shelf for the moment because I'm okay. starting school. And so 
I've just been extra busy on top of my normal busy. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I mean, it's not, it's, it's not stopped. And I, as soon as I'm able to, I'm actually going to be in school starting in September. And so as soon as I'll have a little bit more free time, like maybe a couple minutes a day, right. um, I'll kind of get back to posting more regular content. But basically what it was is um, I get so many questions from young professionals wanting to get into the field. Um, and it's just, I get so many resumes and just the way that people reach out through email and just all of it. And so basically what the Virtual Handshake Academy is, is, you know, you don't really get an opportunity any longer to to walk in and shake someone's hand, uh, especially if you're applying for jobs all over the country, internationally, et cetera. You, you just don't have that opportunity. So the only way that you can shake someone's hand, uh, metaphorically speaking, is through is through the interwebs. Correct. And that means your email, your resume, uh, professional website, whatever that might be. And so the the course is a hundred dollar course, and twenty five percent of that goes to a scholarship for young professionals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just and it's just everything from social media to how to write a professional email to how to construct your resume, how to construct your cover letter, all those things. So it's a pretty it's pretty concise, but it's basically all the basics to reaching out to professionals and getting a job. That's awesome. I mean, that's something. I mean. That along with like soft skills and stuff like that and just kind of getting with your experience and everything that you have to go across um, to be able to get to the position that you have now and that you're mm-hmm. currently working to to improve, obviously. Um, and those are things that are, those are the intangibles that people need to, to learn. I mean, a lot of times, the only times you'll learn those couple things is through experience and to have like a shortcut with uh, something like the virtual handshake is a big, mm-hmm. uh, is a big plus. Yeah, and the experience is... Like finally, I I just feel like there's no, you might be extremely intelligent, but there's no professors out there in college that are like, this is how you should write your resume. This is what you should write in your cover letter beyond just, it's just so cookie cutter and and not eye catching. And and also like the social media. I mean, there's plenty of young strength coaches that can use their social media for good. And instead Mm -hmm. they're using it to post pictures of themselves at the bar. And I'm like, don't do that. (laughs) Use your social media to be you know, to be another way for uh, potential employers to look on your on your Instagram and see, oh, look at this girl. She's lifting all the weight. She's practicing what she preaches. She's, you know, anything that's that's better. So I just don't think that there's – the only way you find out is when someone finally tells you, like, hey, your resume sucks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's usually too late because you've sent it out to a lot of employers and you're like, dang, I'm a really passionate, smart person and I'm coming off like a really dull, you know, person and I'm coming off like – the run of the mill coach when I'm really good, you know, whatever it might be, but just, it's basically a way to give a better virtual presentation to help you, you know, land the job, uh, to kind of bridge the gap between I'm an intelligent qualified strength coach and there's a job open and just kind of getting to bridge the gap there. Right. Trying to get that communication across. I mean, it's the hardest thing Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, uh, what are, what are, um, I guess tell me a couple of things that you would tell uh, anybody trying to be or aspiring to be a strength coach. And this, I guess, is general. Um, uh, maybe some of the questions that you get typically, I guess, you can go about it like that. <sighs> um, this changes over the years, but I would say a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, practice what you preach. Mm-hmm. I think it's like it's, it's underrated. Like there's just too many strength and conditioning coaches out there who are not strong and who are not conditioned. <laughs> and if you're, right. if you're one of those people who, Oh, I lift heavy and I don't do any, Oh, cardio sucks, whatever. Like 
learn how to train the energy systems, learn what it feels like, do what your athletes are doing, understand the stress that is going on in their body, understand what the rest times feels like that you're giving all those things. And then vice versa. Like there are strength coaches who are, are like, Oh, I, I do a lot of like mobility work, but I don't lift and you know, lifting is stupid and whatever. And it's like, I guess, I guess the summary is practice what you preach. And one of the first things that I learned from one of my mentors is don't be a guru. You know, right. don't be, don't be attached to, I'm, I'm probably like of the, of the school of Olympic lifting mostly, mm-hmm. but I don't think everyone should do Olympic lifting. And I don't think it's necessary to do all the Olympic movements. Like it's, it's like, you've got to just, you should know you, you should have so many tools in your toolbox and, and you should have tried them all and you should have, you know, not when you're 21, but you should make an attempt to learn new things as much as you possibly can. So before you talk shit about it, you better know how to do it very well. Mm-hmm. Cause I hear mm-hmm. a lot of people in both camps, right? Like Olympic lifting sucks. Don't do it. But it's like, wait, do you know how to do the Olympic lifts? Have you ever done them? And have you ever coached them? Okay. Well then d- just don't talk or on the other end, Oh, powerlifting sucks. You shouldn't do that. Da, 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 da. Well, have you competed in powerlifting? Do you understand the sport? Do you understand how it can transfer to training for other sports? Do you under- No. Okay. Then don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. CrossFit sucks. Oh, I can't. Da, da, da. It's just like experiment with your body. No, know what you're doing, know what you're saying. Don't just talk shit about it. And, and really that means that when you're 21, you shouldn't have an opinion. Right. <laughs> you no, should be, you should be an apprentice for as long as you possibly can so that you can test it out as long as you possibly can on yourself, on your own athletes, all those things. So practice what you preach. Number one, cause I'll get girls that are like, and this is specific to the females as well as People are like, well, how do you get respect from the guys? And I'm like, well, I can tell you what, number one, probably, is that I can I can still outlift some of our players and I can I can still outrun some of our players. And I'm 30. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you're 22 and you don't have a six pack and you're calling yourself a strength coach, I don't know what's wrong with you. Unless you unless you squat 500 pounds, then you can right. have a little bit of a belly. That's fine. Right. <laughs> but if you're not fit, you know, if you're not fit and you're not strong and you're not really testing it out on yourself, different diets, you know, I've, I've done all the diets. I've done the intermittent fasting. I've done the paleo. I've done whole 30. I've done vegetarian. I've done, you know, just like I, I experimented myself all the time and I'm constantly, I mean, I don't think I'll ever stop until I get some kind of really terrible injury, which is probably going to happen, but I'm constantly <laughs> pushing my body to do different things. And, and the newest thing is gymnastics. Right. And so, and like, I'm 30 and I'm learning gymnastics. So if you're a 21 year old strength coach reaching out to me to say, what should I do? My first question is how hard do you train? Like what, you know, so that's one thing. And then that's like internal, I guess, yourself to prepare yourself to be a strength coach, to learn and to, to have a better ideas. And also like with that is also mobility. And I know that's one of your passions. So mm-hmm. it's like, if I see a strength coach who can't freaking do an overhead squat or just do a basic bodyweight squat. I'm like, well, what are we doing here? You right. know, you, like if you are preaching to your athletes range of motion and proper form and da, 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 and you don't even have that yourself, we have, we have an issue. And, and right. how are you not attacking that? So anyway, mm-hmm. that's one part. But then also as far as like seeking out a job, I think one of the best pieces of advice <clears throat> is two part. 
first of all, first of all, if you're just getting in and you are like, I would say under the age of 25 or you have less than five years of experience, take any and every job that you can get and you should be working for the best in the world. I didn't say the best in your city. I didn't say the best in your state. I didn't say the best in your country. I said the best in the world. And what does that mean? That means me, Rachel Balkovec, at the age of 30, I'm moving to Amsterdam in September to work for who, whom I perceive to be the best in the world in the field of study that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. like, I'm 30. And so if you're 21 and you're like, I don't want to leave my boyfriend in my city, I'm like, well, then you don't want to be the best in the world. And that's fine. So you should go work as a personal trainer. But if you, if you want to be at the elite level of something, be an apprentice and, and seek out the best in the field. And, and like, obviously you could be like, oh, okay, I want to be the best and I want to go learn from this person. And maybe you get there and it's not what you thought, but mm-hmm. at least make an effort to go and find the people that are on the outer limits and in the corners and doing shit different and pushing the boundaries, go work for them for free and sleep in your car. And that's if you have less than five years of experience. And I would even say if you have less than seven or eight. And by the way, I have 10 years of experience and I'm going to go and be broke again as a student and go move to Europe. So it never ends. But if you have less than five years of experience, do not try to get a full-time job. If you get one, great. That's good for you. But you should try to go and be an apprentice. If you get paid, great. That's a bonus. That's a cherry on top. But if you don't get paid, who cares? Do what you got to do. Uber drive, waitress, do what you got to do to make it work and just soak it up and learn and study and try to find the best mentor that you can. All right. Now, part two. <laughs> part two, job I, seeking. I'm loving it. You can, you can go ahead. I'm, I'm just, I'm a sponge over here. Yeah. So part two of that is, okay, after you've done your apprenticeship, you know, period in your life. And again, that could last, it should, as long as you can possibly stand it. And for a single person with no kids, it should be so long like I don't, I don't have any kids I don't have a I don't have a pet so I'm just like constantly I have this opportunity to be in a, an apprenticeship phase because I don't really you know I don't need that much money to live and I don't need you know a house for for anyone but myself mm-hmm. so I, I can I can be an apprentice I can live in my car if I want to who cares I don't have kids so anyway um, the second part of that is once you have, you feel like you've been an apprentice for long enough and you're ready to step into a full-time role, maybe even a leadership role, you have got to make sure as a strength coach, get in where you fit in. And that means you better have a list of 50 questions in your interview to make sure that where you're going is somewhere that is going, where you're going to be accepted and appreciate it because there are a lot of different views on strength and conditioning and and as a strength and conditioning coach you are never you are constantly at the mercy of people who do not know anything about your department Mm -hmm. and i i mean the longer i'm in it the more i hear more and more stories of strength coaches getting you know basically getting told by their superiors who are sport coaches who are administrators who have no idea about strength and conditioning what to do And, and it's a very very painful experience um, and so you have to make sure that you have support and you have to make sure that the philosophies align. And so the second part of that is once you're done and you want to get that full-time job, you want to be elite in a leadership position, you better make sure that you're going to the right place for you. And so don't just take a job. Like who cares? It's, it's better to wait and, and not accept a job and still have to continue to intern or be a graduate assistant or whatever, than to go to a place, sit down at your desk 
figure out in the first week that it's not where you want to be and start looking for a, jo a job again. If anyone that's listening to this right now is not writing this on their phone, on a notepad, <laughs> on the wall, on a whiteboard, you got an issue. You need to go back, rewind this, and then start from, like, um, I tell people all the time, your best educator or your best education is going to be through experience. Or unless you can sit down with someone like yourself, Rachel, or listen to a podcast like this and just listen to firsthand experience. I mean, you can't get it. It's kind of like the virtual handshake, right? It's like you that handshake, that one-on-one -on -one experience that you're getting from that person, mm -hmm. whether it's in Amsterdam, which kudos to you. I mean, to to be in the position that you are now and still looking and still earning or or yearning for more uh, info and learning. I mean, you you can't. You, it, it's the reason why you've gone so far. Is the reason um, you're at where you're at, right? Obviously, people are are getting to know who you are and and see the quality of work that you're providing. And the only reason that that quality of work exists is, is the amount of effort and the amount of dues that you have paid to get there, right? Because most people think that education ends once you get your certification, once you land your job. To me, it's, it's just when you start. At that point, you have mm -hmm. now, you have no restraints. Um, now you're, you're free to the world to learn from whatever uh, modality or whatever specialty or whatever it is that you uh, are interested in so I mean what you just said right now is, is perfect is exactly uh, what people need to hear uh, and, and moreover yeah I read a quote the other day and I'm gonna butcher it I don't have it memorized but it was like the most brilliant quote I wish I, uh, I'm trying to think about it basically was like okay you live two lives one of your lives is learning and then your second life is is like all right, now I'm taking all what I learned and now I'm going to live the life that I actually want to live. Right. And so that's kind of how I view myself right now is like, I don't even think people are like, oh, you're going back to school. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going back to school. I'm actually just, this is the first time I'm actually going to go to school. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. the first two degrees, like I did exercise science and then I did my master's degree in sports administration. And I just like, I wasn't even paying attention. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, I kind of did, but I had no idea. And like my exercise science degree was was a lot of like physiology and like how to make people not die. From, right. You know, and I wasn't strength and conditioning. And then my master's degree at LSU was like, I mean, I was a strength coach at LSU and I did my master's degree on the side and that was like 5% of my time. And I was kind of like, oh, whatever. No, like now, okay, now I know what I want to do and I have a purpose and I know, and it's like, I'm, I'm going there with the intent of just like being this crazy sponge and learning everything all all the things i'm learning them and so i've kind of taken the past decade essentially of my career and just like learned and now it's like this is my second life okay i'm starting mm -hmm. over here and i don't even care that i'm you know air quotes starting over because there's no such thing i'm just like shedding my skin constantly and it's like you gotta take as much time as possible do not do not rush into a full-time job simply to get money you can get money anywhere and trust me if you're, if you're thinking, oh, I got to get that first full-time job, you're going to get paid 30 grand anyway, so you might as well just Uber drive, make the same amount of money, and go learn from the best person in the world because that's amazing. Right. Wow. Well, Rachel, this has been, this has been awesome, and I really appreciate <laughs> you, ta you taking the time. I know with your hectic schedule and everything and technology and this thing dropped like 10 times, <laughs> um, but we made it happen, and I'm I'm more than sure that anybody listening to this is going to get so much value out of it. So for you to spend your time and just give me, or I mean, just the listeners themselves, um, a little bit of your experience, a little bit of your insight uh, means a lot to me. So I appreciate that.
Well, I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully, at least one person gets one thing out of this. So, one hundred percent. I definitely got a lot out of it. <laughs> so, you already have one. You already have one fan. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. So you have a great day. Um, the rest of your day, and and then with everything that you're trying to do, uh, good luck in Amsterdam. And trust me, I'll. I'll keep my eye on you. Hold up. All right. Thank you very much. No problem. All right. Bye bye. Bye.